Hello and welcome to another episode of The Curriculum, a podcast from Cornerstones Education. We do our best to provide advice, insight and information for primary school leaders and teachers, all in the time it takes to get to work or grab a quick cuppa. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of The Curriculum by Cornerstones. This week I'm your host, it's Melanie Moore, author of The Cornerstones Curriculum and director here at Cornerstones. This week we're looking at the importance of science in the primary curriculum and I'm uh, delighted to say I'm joined by Dr Fran Barnes who is a, a cell biologist and our resident expert in primary science. So good morning Dr Fran. Good morning. Can I call you Fran, just for ease of conversation? Of course, yeah, you don't have to use my official title. <laughs> you no official titles, that, that's good, that's good. Um, this week we are looking at the importance of science in, in the primary curriculum, and perhaps just to set the scene a little bit, um, it was interesting to note the recent research done by Amanda Spielman into um, what's happening in primary schools in terms of the curriculum, and... Um, there is an admission in there that the curriculum has been narrowed uh, somewhat, um, perhaps due to the emphasis on tests mm -hmm. in math and English. And my view, I don't know if it's your view, we'll find out in a minute, is that some of that has sort of squeezed science out of the curriculum. So I know when I was teaching, we were testing children in science. In a strange way, it kept science a priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, on the agenda. Exactly. So... Maybe let's just remind ourselves why, in your opinion, science is so in, important in the primary curriculum. Well, first, I think I would say is, is the fact that science is still a core subject and that is often forgotten these days. And I think it is, like you say, it's because there is much more of a focus on literacy and numeracy in the primary curriculum. And again, it's because of the testing. Um, it's sad, really, that the testing is what the focus is on, but we can't get away from that. It's what it is. The importance of science is a big question. Let's be honest. So I think the first question is really, what is science? Um, science to me is the study of nature. And I don't just mean green trees, you know, fluffy rabbits. Nature is everything that we see, everything visible, everything we experience, all the forces. That is nature. So we can define it roughly as biology, chemistry and physics. But actually, you can break that down even further into specific disciplines like cosmology or biochemistry. So science is a really broad title. That's basically what the study of science is, is the study of everything. That's great. So what about in terms of the skills and competencies, knowledge even, that science brings to children's learning? I think the importance is, so children are experiencing science every day and often they don't even, they're not even aware of it. So, you know, the building we're sitting in, that is science, why we're using the materials we are. And I think science allows us to move children from a really abstract idea into something that is a deeper understanding, something that they understand. So, for example, you know, you could say, oh, why is the sky blue? You can give them a, a factual answer where, you know, you can explain it in very scientific terms, but when you do an inquiry, it moves it from that abstract idea into something that is really tangible that they can understand and appreciate. So talking about a lot of specific skills there, so we've got questioning, making connections, maybe problem solving. And, and creativity. I mean, I, I think we often forget that science is a very creative subject. Um, you're doing the same skills as you would when you were creating a piece of artwork as you are when you're doing science. 
And I think the main one is curiosity. I mean, children are innately curious and science has basically given them the tools to explore their curiosity. I suppose when, you, when you're talking about creativity as well, it's interesting, you know, that some of the most significant scientists of all time, mm-hmm. like Leonardo da yeah, Vinci, yeah. really combined art, science, technology, showed real curiosity in the world, yeah. which then led to some of the most fundamental inventions of all time. Absolutely, and I think that's something we've really got to remember is we are giving the children the tools that they need to solve the world's future problems. And that's really, I mean, that's all it boils down to. Science, the scientific method, if we talk about it in that sense, is actually quite straightforward. And the more children become familiar with it, it becomes second nature. Once they've got that as second nature, they then have the facility to move forwards and become the next, you know, Brian Cox or Leonardo da Vinci. I know, I know that Brian Cox is one of your favourite scientists. Of isn't course, it? how can you not love him? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that then. Why, why is he such an inspirational scientist? I think it's his communication skills. I mean, he has taken, I think, possibly the hardest subject and he contextualises it and simplifies it. Even for me to understand, I mean, some of the theories that he talks about, he's made me go, oh, oh yeah, I understand that now. So I just think he's a great communicator. And that's the kind of light bulb moment you want with children as well. Absolutely. We can't all be Brian Cox, but we can try to just even get a little glimmer of him. Good. Okay. I mean, I don't think there'd be any of our listeners who would disagree with the wonder of science and and all the skills, you know, that, that children can learn. But perhaps we have seen a slight decline in in the amount of science being taught in schools. Mm. So what do you think are the barriers that maybe prevent um, teachers from perhaps doing as much science or doing science in as much depth as perhaps they would like to? I think there's there's quite a few barriers. Um, And I would say actually most of them you can overcome. I think the biggest one is always time. And as we've already said, um, there is a real squeeze on the curriculum. There is a focus on literacy and numeracy. And so I think for, for science, it often gets squeezed maybe even an hour a week, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, so I think it's using opportunities when they arise to get science on the agenda. So it might not be sitting down to do a full investigation, because actually that's useful, but it's not the only useful way of, of exposing children to science. You can, I mean, cross-curricular links is a really, really good one. If you're doing historical figures, you can look at science figures from the past, if you're doing food, I mean, the parallels between food and the changes that happen when you cook something is science. And I think it's just about making those links enables you to get science on the agenda and into the children's thinking in more than just that one hour a week. Yeah, and I liked what you said about, you know, use the unexpected, perhaps, everyday Mm. moments. I can't remember exactly the example you gave, but it might have been, why is the sky blue? Or, you know, what's happening with this building that we're sitting in? Because there is something, isn't there, happening every day in the world around them that perhaps you could just have a science moment in Mm -hmm. the day. I love that idea, a science moment. It, It is, and children are always asking these questions, you know, why is the sky blue? Why is that leaf falling off the tree? You know, why is it snowing, not raining? Um, And I think you have to use those serendipitous moments to to latch onto the science and and almost go with the children rather than just sort of shutting them down and saying, oh, you know, we're meant to be doing numeracy. Say, oh, God, let's find out. Let's go and do a bit of an inquiry. Let's let's just observe sometimes. Because you could always say, oh, I mean, it might be a nice idea to have... um 
a question board or something. So yeah. you don't have to stop that math lesson, but you can say, that's a great question. Let's park Love it. it. Yeah. Let's write it on our thinking or science board and mm-hmm. let's come back to that when we've got half an hour or 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and let's come back to that question and think about it. Okay, so, so time is a huge barrier. What about teacher expertise? Because some of the things that you're describing... I could well imagine some people thinking, well, that's fine to stop my lesson and answer the question about why is the sky blue? (laughs) But if I don't know the answer to why is the sky blue, Mm -hmm. that can sometimes be a a, a little bit daunting. So what about teacher expertise? What can teachers do to sort of get themselves up to speed? Or do you have any sort of tips and techniques? If you can't answer a question, what would you do? I think firstly, I mean, obviously there is a benefit if you've got a degree in science or a PhD in science or just an interest in science, um, it is a benefit because children often ask questions and their learning goes off on a random tangent and you you can answer their questions, but it is not the be all and the end all. I think for me, some of the best science teachers I've ever seen are the ones who are enthusiastic. And I think if you're enthusiastic, that sort of filters through to your children Obviously, it's nice for us to know what we talk about. And I think we all feel more confident teaching science if we if we have a bit of background knowledge. CPD, obviously, you know, grab whatever you can from any source. It doesn't even have to be formal CPD. You might just take the time to read around the subject before you teach it. So at least you feel like you've got a bit of a grounding in the subject. Um, and also, I think it's really important that we, that we don't just try and almost fudge it. We can say, actually, I don't know, but let's let's find out together let's tweet a scientist we know and ask them because actually you know twitter for example is a perfect platform you can access a lot of scientists in lots of specialisms and on the whole they're generally really open to these kind of questions um i definitely think don't don't worry if you're not a specialist um by doing your best and being enthusiastic is is more than enough so what you're talking about there is almost you know being that role model because scientists don't always know the answer either do they and they go through a process of right what is our formulating the question Mm -hmm. how are we going to find out the answer to this what resources can we use how are we going to investigate it and actually for children to understand that that's how real scientists work is also valid isn't it because that would wouldn't that be the process that you'd go through if you were doing an investigation anywhere absolutely I mean if you come up with a question and as a teacher you don't know the answer that's basically your theory and you use that to model to the children um, how to do a scientific investigation. So you've got your theory, it's your hypothesis, so you're, you work out how you're going to test that theory, you get your results and then you'd go back to the start and tweak it to get the answer that you're looking for. So I think it's really important that you model that to your children because then they're immersed in it all the time. They see that we don't know everything but we will use the same approach to find out ourselves. So I think what you were describing there was the process of an investigation um, and and testing. Can you just explain a little bit more about different types of investigations, including the fair test and and what that actually means? Mm -hmm. I think up till 2014, there was really big focus on fair testing. And actually, I think that probably puts off a lot of teachers and also children because they start seeing science as as a writing exercise, not as a exploratory exercise and a bit of you know that's something that's quite a lot of fun but actually from 2014 onwards when the new curriculum was released the the document stated that there was five different types of investigation that children can be taking part in and actually fair testing featured just once and that's down as a simple test 
but then your investigations can focus on observing changes over time. It can be um, pattern seeking, you know, it can be something as simple as the sequence of the seasons, you know, observing that the same pattern year on year. Uh, grouping and classifying is another type and then the final one is research and I think we are, we often overlook research as a type of investigation but if you ask 90% of scientists would say the majority of their work is research and based on previous researchers research so it's really really important that we remember that there isn't just fair testing that there are five types of investigation and that hopefully will relieve teachers of this need to always you know say what is a fair test so one example I can give is when Charles Darwin lived at Down House with his family uh, he got his children to follow bumblebees in the garden um, and just to see what flowers they visited and it's a really simple approach to science just observing what is going on around them it's not a fair test and not having to write anything down it's simply a, a really lovely observation and what did he find out oh that's a tough one um he actually found out that bumblebees always follow a set of flight path uh, and always visit the same flowers um this just shows that how a really simple observation can tell us a lot about the behavior of a certain species so science week this year begins on the 9th of march what have you got planned for science week Oh, well, at Cornerstones, we are generating this podcast, are giving away lots of free stuff. I mean, we're going to be giving away some Love to Investigates, um, which you can access through our Twitter account, through our hub or through the website. Um, and I'll also be available on Twitter to answer any questions that children have got. I mean, I think the important thing to remember with Science Week is it's great because we can really um, celebrate science and science technology engineering and maths for a week but you don't have to wait for science week to I was celebrate gonna say it goes science. right back to what we were saying at the start which yes. is how do we get more science in the curriculum and science week is obviously a really good example of that and just making the most of that opportunity make sure you've got something planned mm-hmm. um, there's p- a lot of free resources out there some some of the bigger organizations are already releasing um, opportunities for workshops they're releasing resources I think just grab what you can um, immerse your children in science for a lovely week and then and get in touch with you presumably if, oh, if you're I'll, waiting for some really tricky questions you're not afraid to available. answer any of them are you? I will answer anything okay so that's an open invitation to to listeners and the children in their classes to um pose a question to yeah. Dr. Fran. Challenge me, see if I can answer it. And if Good. I can't, I might, I might suggest an investigation that we can do. You might give the answer, I don't know, but why don't you go and find out? <laughs> Absolutely, I think that's great, actually. So um, we, I think we're just about out of time now, but um, a huge thank you um, for talking to us today. And um, I've learnt lots more about science from you in that very short time. So thanks ever so much, Dr. Thank Fran. Thank you very much. Okay. And that's it for this episode of The Curriculum. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or iPad. Or if you have an Android device, you can try something like Pocket Casts. It means you get the episodes going straight to your phone or tablet, and you can discover a whole world of other podcasts out there. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please tell someone about it. Just uh, send them a quick email or give them a nudge in person. Um, if you want to know more about Cornerstones, the curriculum as in the Cornerstones curriculum and um, other products, you can go to cornerstoneseducation.co.uk and you can learn more about this show, including how to subscribe at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk slash podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback and any ideas you might have for the show. Just get in touch by emailing podcasts at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk or drop us a line on Twitter where we are cornerstonesedu. 
that's it. Speak to you next time.